Welcome to the Vanguard Church Podcast. You're about to hear a sermon from Vanguard Church Central in the heart of Colorado Springs. With every message, it's our prayer that you hear and learn how to live out your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. May your faith be strengthened, your hope increased, and your heart inspired to live for Jesus no matter the cost. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening. Good morning, Vanguard. You and I are the physical representation of the presence of God on the earth. How does that make you feel? You and I are the physical representation of the presence of God on the earth. You and I, as humans, are the only creature created in the image of God Almighty and breathes life on this earth. The question is, how will you and I physically represent the presence of God on the earth? Will we represent the physical presence of God on the earth through a posture of repentance? Or will we represent the physical presence of God on the earth through our attitude of rebellion? The nation of Israel was at a crossroads. They had a choice to make. You and I periodically are at crossroads. We have choices to make. We can choose a posture of repentance or we can choose an attitude of rebellion. But regardless of what you choose, know this, you will represent God on this earth. As a human being, you will not only represent God on this earth, but you will represent God for all of eternity. Your life will be a symbol of the physical representation of God, either through repentance or through rebellion. You say, who gets to decide? We do. We do. I want to invite you today to take your program, your Bible, or your internet device, and we're going to look at Ezekiel 12, 13, and 14 today. As we look at these three chapters, I want to encourage you to be a virtual evangelist this morning, to share the service. I want to say hi to Dave and Wendy from Cabo this morning. Would you guys, Dave's one of the people that's come to Christ through our church, would you put your hands together and welcome him this morning? I know, everybody's jealous, all right? They'll be back, all right? We got good weather here, Dave, just so you know. Ezekiel chapter 12, 13 and 14. How do our lives physically represent God to others? Look at chapter 12, verse 1. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. This is Ezekiel. Son of man, you live among rebels, who have eyes but refuse to see, they have ears but refuse to hear. They're rebellious people. 
So now, son of, man, uh, son of man, pretend you're being sent into exile. I find that word pretend interesting. Pack the few items an exile could carry and leave your home to go somewhere else. Do this right in front of the people so they can see you, for perhaps they will pay attention to this, even though they are such rebels. Now bring your baggage outside during the day so they can watch you. Then in the evening as they're watching, leave your house as captives do when they begin a long march to distant lands. Now dig a hole through the wall while they're watching and go out through it. I mean, can you imagine this? Can you imagine going in your living room and beginning to dig a hole through the wall of your living room so that your neighbors can watch you go through it? So dig a hole through the wall while they're watching and go out. Verse 6, and as they watch, lift your pack to your shoulders, so your backpack, and walk away into the night. I mean, this is some silly stuff, right? Cover your face so you cannot see the land you are leaving. So put a mask on. For I have made you a sign for the people of Israel. I want you to see those words. God is telling Ezekiel a specific message that he wants him to live out in front of a specific people so that he can convey a specific point through Ezekiel to them. God has asked Zeke to role play. His life is an example of God's message to them. So how is our lives? Here we are thousands of years later. How are our lives a physical representation of the message and the ministry and the mission of Jesus Christ. Look at Acts chapter 1, verse 8. So we fast forward to the New Testament. And Jesus says to the disciples, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my, somebody say it, my witnesses. You will be my physical representation of my presence to the world. It's really important that you get this point because if you don't, Ezekiel 12, 13, and 14 become irrelevant to you just as Ezekiel was a witness in his day to the people around him. So you are to be a witness for God to the people around you. We are a physical representation. Telling people about me, he says, Jesus says, everywhere, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Yes, even on social media. It's a good idea. So how do our lives physically represent God to others? Number one, we choose, and that's the key word, we choose to be his witnesses. I make a choice, you make a choice, we make a choice, and so who are you representing with your choices? And as you make choices in your life, are you choosing the choices of repentance in all areas of your life, or are you choosing 
the posture of rebellion. How are you representing God? The story of your life and the details of your life are not a mistake. They're not a mistake. They are a living testimony. They're a living testimony. When you say, I want my life to be a physical representation, you're saying, God, I want you to know, I want you to be the God of my future. See, every time you and I repent, I don't know if you know this or not, every time you say to the Lord, Lord, forgive me for my sin, you are saying to God, God, I want you to be the God of my past. I want you to be the God of my present, and I want you to be the God of my future. I place myself under your sacrificial gift to me through the blood of Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 7. Ezekiel says, so I did what I was told. That's the simplest definition of obedience. I did what God told me to do. I did what God told me to do. I did what God told me to do. See, it's very tempting to do what everybody else thinks you should do. And it's also very tempting to do what you think everybody else wants you to do. And it's also super tempting to do what you think might cause people to like you. So we shot a 60,000-something balloon out of the sky this week, right? As a nation. China didn't like that, right? So where do we go from here? I guess we'll find out, won't we? Every one of us have to make choices, just like the United States made. And there's going to be people that like it, and there's going to be people that don't like it. And don't look around, and this is the terrible thing about social media. Well, most people like it, so it must have been a good thing. No. (laughs) No, don't, don't determine your obedience based on how many likes you get by human beings. Determine your obedience based off of what God has told you to do. Yes, be accountable. Don't be rogue. Don't don't run out without accountability. But it is really important that you understand that God has called you to represent him to the world. Verse 8. The next morning, this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these rebels, these people of Israel, they've asked you uh, what all this means. And say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now, I want you to catch this. Ezekiel's not going to go and tell people, well, let me just tell you what I think it means. This is really important for you to understand. We live lives so that God can talk to other people through our lives. Does that make sense? You are a physical representation of the presence of God. And it is important that you make sure that A, you're doing what God's asked you to do, and B, that you're saying what God has asked you to say. This is what the sovereign Lord says. These actions contain a message for King Zedekiah, who was, by the way, quote, unquote, the president of Israel at the time. 
and for all the people of Israel, explain that your actions, Ezekiel, are a sign to show what will soon happen to them. For they will be driven into exile as captives. So do you understand that there are times that God's going to do in your life what he wants other people around you to see he's getting ready to do in theirs? And a lot of times we'll go, well, you know, God must hate me because look what I'm going through. No, no, maybe you are a vanguard in this circumstance and God is wanting to say through you to other people, I don't fully understand what God is doing through me, but I know that I'm example to you and that whatever God's doing through me, he's probably going to do through you. And I just want to encourage you, follow my example. That's what leadership is. Follow my example. Now, do you remember the woman at the well? She went back into the city and she said, come meet a man that told me everything I ever did. Could he be the Messiah? And in essence, what she was saying to the people as a witness, as a physical representation of the miracle that had happened at the well, she's saying to them, come meet a man that can do for you what he did for me. And that's what our lives are supposed to be. We're supposed to go out into the world and we're supposed to say, listen, come meet a man who can do for you what he did for me. Come meet him. Come see how he has worked in my life. Come see how he's worked in other people's lives because how he's worked in my life, he can work in yours as well. God continues. Look at verse 12. Even Zedekiah will leave Jerusalem at night through a hole in the wall, taking only what he can carry with him. And he'll cover his face, and his eyes will not see the land he is leaving. Now, I'm going to throw my net over him. I'm going to capture him in my snare. I'm going to bring him to Babylon, the land of the Babylonians. And though he'll never see it, he will die there. I will scatter his servants, warriors, to the four ends, uh, four winds, and send the sword after them. When I scatter them among the nations, they will know that I am the Lord. But I will spare a few of them from death by war, famine, or disease so they can confess all their detestable sins to their captors. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Do you know why we confess our sin to God? When we sin, do you know what the first thing is we tend to do? We tend to forget who God is. The longer we wait to confess sin, the more likely we are to forget who God is in our lives, and he is our Lord. And see, what repentance does is that repentance through mercy, grace, and forgiveness puts an awareness back inside of us that he's the Lord of our lives. And if we don't repent, then the only option we leave God, because we are his physical representation on the earth, is that he then has to go through our rebellious spirit and he has to demonstrate his wrath and his judgment to get our attention. Look at verse 17. Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, tremble at your as you eat your food, shake with fear as you drink your water. Tell the people, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Concerning those living in Israel and Jerusalem, they will eat their food with trembling, sip their water in despair. For their 
land will be stripped bare because of their, somebody say it, their violence. The cities will be destroyed, the farmlands made desolate, and then you will know that I am the Lord. So why does God judge us? There's only one reason why God judges us. To remind us that we are the physical representation of his image, his presence on this earth. And that we've wandered from that supreme calling and position and place that he has given us in society. Now there's a new proverb. Look at verse 21. Again, a message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, you've heard that proverb they quote in Israel. Time passes, eh, prophecies, they come to nothing. Tell the people, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I'm going to put an end to this proverb. And you're going to soon stop quoting it. And now give them this new proverb to replace the old one. The time has come for every prophecy to be fulfilled. Ezekiel 12, 23 God says, it is time for the prophecy to be fulfilled. When God says it's time, guess what? Nobody can stop it. Nobody can stop it. But I will tell you, there is a bit of a challenge here. Because the time between when God gives the prophecy, you speak the prophecy, and when God says the time for it to be fulfilled is now, there is a time vacuum that you have to live in. And the biggest prophecy that I read in Daniel this morning, the biggest prophecy is that there's going to come a day when eternity is going to reveal who was right and who was wrong. And it'll be too late if you wait to pick a team then you'll be wrong. You have to decide now who you're willing to put your faith and trust in. Verse 24. Now, there will be no more false visions and flattering predictions in Israel. For I am the Lord. If I say it, it will happen. This is God talking. There'll be no more delays. You rebels of Israel, I will fulfill my threat of destruction in your own lifetime. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. Then this message came to me from the Lord, Son of Man. The people of Israel are saying, he's talking about the distant future. His visions won't come true for a long, long time. Therefore, tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, no more delay. I will, God talking, I will now do everything I've threatened. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. If God says it, he's going to make it happen. If it is from God, you can't stop it. And sometimes when God gives us prophetic words or gives us things to say to people or gives us moments of holding one another accountable, there is a tension in a season where we go, well, maybe I was wrong or maybe I shouldn't have done that. Or You need to be patient with that process. And you need to ask God to give you the courage to wait on him because the Bible says that those that wait on the Lord shall not be put to shame. Now, how do our lives physically represent God? Number two, say to others what God tells you to say. 
say to others what God tells you to say. Now, it needs to line up with Scripture. God's not going to say something that contradicts what the Bible says. God's not schizophrenic. God not one day says this and the next day says that. So God's message has to be consistent and clear, and it is consistent and clear. God's message is not different in the Old Testament than it is in the New Testament. God's message is holistic all throughout the Bible. So how do you know if a word is from God? There's many, there's many ways, but one way you can know is that if you give the word, it's going to cost you first. If you give the word, it's going to cost you first. And when you give a word, don't be shocked at the resistance. And God is going to use the resistance to purify you. And then when he's done purifying you, then he's going to use what the word that he gave you to give to the resistance to purify them. And that's how God works over and over and over and over again. Sometimes the greatest love we can give someone is to tell people that we're in relationship with what they don't want to hear. And we live in a society where it's like, well, I don't want to tell someone what they don't want to hear because that's not love. No, love is all-encompassing, and it involves telling people sometimes and asking people difficult questions that sometimes put you in an awkward moment. Now, look at Ezekiel 13. There's going to be judgment against false prophets. Then this message came to me from the Lord, son of man, prophesy against the false prophets of Israel who are inventing their own prophecies. Say to them, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits the false prophets who are following their own imaginations and have seen nothing at all? Oh, people of Israel, these prophets of yours are like jackals digging in the ruins They've done nothing to repair the breaks in the walls around the nation. They've not helped it to stand firm in battle on the day of the Lord. Instead, they've told lies. They've made false predictions. They say this message is from the Lord, even though the Lord never sent them. And yet they expect him to fulfill their prophecies. Can your visions be anything but false if you claim the message is from the Lord when I have not even spoken to you? Therefore, verse 8, this is what the Lord says. Because what you say is false and your visions are a lie, I'm going to stand against you, says the sovereign Lord. I'm going to raise my fist against all the prophets who see false visions and make lying predictions, and they will be banished from the community of Israel. I'm going to blot out their names from Israel record books, and they'll never again set foot in their own land. Then you will, somebody say, what will happen? Then you'll know that I am the sovereign Lord. Why is it so important to speak a prophetic word before it happens to a rebellious people? Because I've wrestled with this question a lot in my life. Why is it important to speak a prophetic word to a rebellious people before God brings the judgment? 
Here's why. So that when it comes true, they know God is among them. And he's been among them. And that he's in charge. And what rebellion does is it gives us a posture and a mindset that we're in charge, that we're God, that we're the God of our lives. And when God speaks a prophetic word and we give that prophetic word, like Ezekiel, when we share, when we witness, you say, oh, I don't give prophetic words. Every time you share the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are giving a prophetic word. You are saying to the world, believe in Jesus, have eternal life. That is a prophetic word that will come true in every human being's life at the end of time. That's what the book of Daniel tells us. So look at verse 17, judgment against false women prophets. Now, son of man, speak out against the women who prophesy from their own imaginations. This is what the sovereign Lord says. What sorrow awaits you women who are ensnaring the souls of my people, young and old alike? You tie magic charms on their wrist and furnish them with magic veils. Do you think you can trap others without bringing destruction on yourselves? You bring shame on me among my people for a few handfuls of barley or a piece of bread by lying to my people who love to listen to lies. You kill those who should not die and you promise life to those who should not live. This is what the Lord says. I'm against all your magic charms. You've discouraged the righteous with your lies, but I don't want them to be sad because of all this, you will no longer talk of seeing visions that you never saw, nor will you make predictions for I will rescue my people from your grasp. Then you'll know that I'm the Lord. So how do our lives physically represent God to others? Number three, God judges those who use deceptive words to control you. God judges those who use deceptive words to control you. See, Joseph's brothers in the book of Genesis hated Joseph because he had a prophetic vision, a prophetic dream. And so they cursed Joseph, sold him into slavery, thinking that they could rid themselves of what God was going to do through Joseph's life. His very own family hated the very calling that was on his life, and so they cursed him and sent him out. There are people in your life that you dearly long for their acceptance and their approval of your life, and instead of blessing, they've cursed you. God will address that at his appointed time. Keep your hands off of it. God will judge those who use deceptive words to try to control you. And people in your life who try to make you fearful because of what they say to you, because of what God has called you to do, and they speak, what, you better be careful, you better be careful, you better be careful. Here's the only thing you need to be careful at. Do what he tells you to do. That's the only thing you need to be careful about. Do what he tells you to do and trust him to take care of the rest. Look at Ezekiel 14. Then some of the leaders of Israel visited me while they were sitting with me. And this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, these leaders have set up idols in their hearts. 
They've embraced things that will make them fall into sin. Why should I listen to their request? Tell them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. The people of Israel have set up idols in their hearts. They've fallen into sin. And then they go to a prophet asking for a message. So I, the Lord, will give them the kind of answer that their great idolatry deserves. I will do this to capture the minds and hearts of all my people who have turned from me to worship their detestable idols. I want you to see the intentionality of God here because this is how God works. Therefore, tell the people of Israel, this is what the sovereign Lord says, repent, there it is. Turn away from your idols, stop all your detestable sins. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You'll be my witnesses. This is Jesus' words now. Telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Then you'll know, then you will know that I am the Lord. Look at verse 9. And then if a prophet is deceived into giving a message, it's because I, the Lord, have deceived that prophet. See, God has given us a message of repentance, but if people don't want to share that message of repentance, I'll lift my fist against such prophets and cut them off from the community of Israel. False prophets and those who seek their guidance will all be punished for their sins. In this way, the people of Israel will learn not to stray from me, polluting themselves with sin. They'll be my people. I'll be their God. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. What God is saying to Israel is, since you refuse to repent and share the message I want you to share with others, Because of your idolatry, I'm going to send false prophets to tell you what you want to hear. This is a tough one. If you refuse to repent, God will send somebody to tell you what you want to hear so you'll go ahead and self-destruct yourself. I would encourage you, repent. Repent. Don't continue to give in to the spirit of rebellion because eventually there'll be people sent by God to tell you what you want to hear so you can continue to destroy yourself. So how do, we, how do our lives physically represent God? Number four, he uses our unconfessed sin to further deceive us to show his judgment through us to others. I want to read that one again. It's long. He uses our unconfessed sin to further deceive us, to show his judgment through us to others. And he does this to show that he is Lord. And see, what's interesting is you don't get to decide if you represent God or not. That's the point of this message. You don't get to decide if you physically represent God or not. He's already decided that. He made you in his image. So you are going to physically represent God regardless of your choices. The question is, will you represent him through repentance, which leads to forgiveness, mercy, and grace? Will you be that kind of object and example? Or will you be a rebellious object and example that leads to God's wrath, that leads to God's judgment to show the world who he is? 
Now, the book of Romans talks about this. Every human being is created to show the glory of God. So what kind of example will you be? Look at verse 21. Now, this is what the sovereign Lord says. How terrible to be for all four of these dreadful punishments to fall upon Jerusalem. War, famine, wild animals, disease, destroying all our people and animals. Yet there will be survivors. And they'll come here to join you as exiles in Babylon, and you will see with your own eyes how wicked they are. And then you'll feel better about what I've done Jerusalem. When you meet them and see their behavior, you'll understand that these things are not being done to Israel without cause. I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. We have a choice. I am created in the image of God. You are created in the image of God. You're watching online. You are created in the image of God. You can't unbear the image of God. I read an article this past week on the Christian Post of a missionary couple whose daughter was suicidal and they did not want her to die alone, so they killed her and then killed each other so they could all die together. That's brutal. That's the world we live in. That's a missionary couple who represent the image of God. Each one of us have choices to make. Every one of us. And we can choose to represent the repentance that leads to forgiveness, that leads to the grace and mercy of God through the blood of Jesus Christ. Or we can represent rebellion, which leads to the wrath of God, which leads to the judgment of God, which leads to hell, eternal hell. So the choice is ours. Maybe you've never met Jesus. We're going to call for baptism next week. Maybe you've never met Jesus. And the ultimate decision in life is what will you do with Jesus? Will I give my life to Jesus? Will I repent of my sin? Will I turn away and say to him, he's my only hope of salvation? Or will I rebel? Will I resist? Will I stand against? The choice is ours. And the Bible says, going all the way back to the book of Daniel, all the way to the book of Revelation, and all throughout the Gospels, and Jesus says it himself, every human being will stand before God on judgment day. And every human being will give an account of how we physically represented God on this earth. And my hope and prayer is that you choose repentance over rebellion. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for your life-giving spirit and the reminder through Ezekiel, who was the physical representation of your presence on this earth. Thank you, Lord, for his obedience. Thank you, Lord, for his example of repentance. Thank you, Lord, that he chose to say to the Lord, I will do what you've told me to do. 
Lord, I want to say again to you, I will do what you've told me to do. I will obey. I will repent. I will turn to you and ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Lord, I receive your grace. I receive your mercy. I receive your goodness, Lord. And God, would you give us the courage to be a people of repentance, not a people of rebellion. Would you give us the courage to be a people of repentance? And when we repent, Lord, as your physical representation of your image on this earth, you pour out your spirit upon us and we become witnesses everywhere we go. That's our mission. That's our commission. And we do that for the glory of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's children said, amen. amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Vanguard Central Podcast. We encourage you to go out and live your faith in real relationship with Jesus and with others. God bless you, friend. See you next time.